Hello, and welcome to Believe It, Achieve It. I am your host, Nicole Winley, and I believe everyone should be living the life of their dreams. This show is going to be a weekly dose of magic to help guide you to living your best life. When you feel good, then success in all areas of your life is easy to achieve. I love to empower people to discover their dreams and to ignite their lives. This show will be full of personal development stories and skills to help you take your life to the next level. My guests will be health and wellness experts and amazing spiritual beings, as well as everyday people with stories and lessons to help guide you through the ups and downs and help you get one step closer to living the life of your dreams. I want this podcast to be real and unpolished, full of honesty to show the realness of life. Here's to living your best life with gratitude and love. Are you ready? Let's get started. So welcome. All right. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Believe It, Achieve It. I am your host, Nicole Winley. And as always, I'm super excited for my guest tonight. She is, I consider her a great friend of mine, but I think I've only met you in person, maybe twice. So, uh, (laughs) but we're connected through a friend, which kind of makes it just a special kind of a bond. So welcome, welcome to Believe It, Achieve It, my friend, Lisa Zeller. Thank you very much for having me. And yes, I would say we're good friends, even though we don't see each other in person that much. I think we see each other all over social media. And I think we have a lot of the same ideals. So it's nice. Right? I know it's wild. Like even the first time I met you, I had never met you in person, but I met you on social media. And I was like, oh, wait, you were sitting next to me. We were at vision board, vision board workshop. And I was like, Oh, and you started talking. I was like, wait, I know her. And then, and then we started talking more and then we realized who we were and it was, it was great. It's awesome. So, you know, you never know. Lisa and I always do my pregame. We were talking about that before I hit the old record button and, and you just, you know, you never know who you're sitting next to. You never know who you're in a Facebook group with. You never know who you're going to meet. And I was just saying some of my closest friends I've never met in real life. It's wild. It's banana. So pay attention to what the universe is telling you and guiding you and just be led to the right people. Something I do in my meditations in the morning is, you know, bring the right people into my life and remove the wrong people in my life. And it's been working out fantastically. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell. You seem very happy. (laughs) I am. I am. Life is exactly what we dare to make it. And I dare to make my life beautiful and And it is. So welcome to Believe It, Achieve It. And I would like for you to just kind of tell our listeners a little bit of, you know, like share your story and your journey and and what you've had to go through and where you are now and giving back and serving the community in the way that you do. Okay. I have a career in basically a crime lab with the state of Florida. I know, it's so cool. It's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, I do love it. I've always loved forensics, so that's been a passion of mine. Another passion of mine that I didn't realize I have is helping people with suicide awareness, suicide prevention. So I started my career back in 1996. I was living in, prior to moving to Tallahassee, where I started it, I was living in Orlando, and I was dating someone who lived next door to me. And uh, <laughs> convenient. I know how, how that works out. <laughs> so that was, I think that was 1995. And 
we had gotten into a big fight and he told me that he was going to kill himself. And sure enough, I heard a gunshot and I walked over there and he had. Um, So that was my first um, exposure to suicide. I had never known anyone who had died by suicide. I knew that I was devastated. I knew that my friends and I, who were all close to him, were very upset, but we didn't know what to do. You didn't see the signs. You know, you were young. Right. We were... 22 or something. So very young, did not see the signs, did not know the level of depression that he had been in. So that was, that was really hard. And, right. Um, and the awareness wasn't out back then. You know, I like, <laughs> I say this sometimes I'm like, you know, that was before Oprah. <laughs> like I didn't know right. these things, <laughs> you know, where it's more, it's okay to talk about this stuff now. Right. That was, it really felt like it wasn't okay to talk Mm -hmm. about it. It was, I did talk to a pastor, the group of us who had been there when this happened, talked to a pastor and he said, this will either bring you together or tear you apart. This group of friends and bring you together closer or tear Mm -hmm. you apart. This is one of those life experiences. And I remember him saying that and So a few of us, it brought us so close because we shared this horrible thing, but we shared it together. And then for some of us, it tore us apart. It was, we could not be with those people. One of those people ended up passing away a few years later, not by suicide, but heart attack. It was just, it was, it's almost like it changes you Mm -hmm. to experience something like that and to see something like that. So so that was 1995. Maybe that was 1994. <laughs> I can't remember exactly. <laughs> but it was around that time. And then in 1996, I began my career in Tallahassee at the crime lab. And I was dating somebody that I had met in Orlando. And he moved to Tallahassee with me. And we got married in 1997. And then we had two children. My son was born in December of 1997. And then my daughter was born in 2000. And then in 2004, my husband started experiencing depression. But up Um, until that point, you were a married couple with two kids living life, doing the thing called life. Right, right. We had an amazingly good life. We both had careers that we loved. We had two children that were perfect we were building a house. Oh. So we had, or we had already built a house. We were um, building a pool to go with the house. I mean, we had everything you could want. We had our problems like any. Right. Yeah. Life. Right. Life. So 2004, he starts experiencing severe depression. And I just didn't know that it was something that he dealt with with and how severe it was, but I did know that I didn't want to relive what I had lived back in the 90s. So we started going to counseling and I explained my fears to the counselor. Mm. And and I had told Mark, I fear that you might do this, which he assured me he would not. And the counselor said he needed a psychiatrist. He needed some medication and a psychiatrist. So In October of 2004, I made an appointment with a psychiatrist, and the soonest I could get was February of 2005. Wow. Isn't that wild? 
Yes. And it was it was dire. We needed to see the psychiatrist and it was that many months away before we could see one. You know, I I suffered with depression myself, as you know, from the loss of the love of my life. And I went to the doctor and of course, that's what they want to do is they want to give you prescriptions. Even my insurance company didn't want to pay for me to have therapy to heal. They wanted to give me medication to mask the hurt and the pain that I needed to heal. They just wanted to throw medication on it, which would have been a disaster, but, uh, but we'll, we'll lead into that. Uh, (laughs) It's a tough situation, which I know is why you're doing what you're doing, but (laughs) no, you're absolutely right. It is a tough situation and there certainly is a time and a place for medication, but absolutely fix it for everyone. And, you know, I firmly believe that some people do need it. You know, there's an impact. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. But it is overprescribed. So October 2004, we're dealing with the depression. We're going to counseling. And in November of 2004, he um, has to go into the mental hospital, the behavioral health hospital. So he's basically Baker acted. Um, and you're waiting until February to, for an appointment? Right. Oh. Right. So... When he's in the hospital, I'm visiting him. I'm getting childcare, visiting him daily. It's not a great place. People don't do well being Baker acted. And then when they get out, a lot of times they don't, which I found out you're not treated as well as you could be. So on the day before Thanksgiving, he checked himself out of the hospital and he came and saw me and the kids and he checked himself into a hotel room and he took his life that night. So it was Thanksgiving day of 2004. So now keep in mind, we haven't seen a psychiatrist because you're still waiting months away. You're doing, you're doing what you knew and what you could essentially you did what you knew and what you could. Right. I did what I felt that I could, trying to get the medical help, the mental help. After he passed, I went to the hospital, demanded to know how many times this happened. They told me it happens all the time. And I had no idea. So I um, feel like I almost immediately got involved with suicide awareness. I started with online groups because I had two little kids, so I couldn't really you know, I had to be at home with them. So I needed something that I could get on in the middle of the night when I was feeling frustrated and needed to talk. So those online groups were really helpful. So I started communicating with survivors and that was great because we had a connection and they can relate to what you've been through. And there's just nothing like that. It's kind of like if you were a cancer survivor and you relate to other cancer survivors. So And then a few years after that, I was asked to present at a Lighting the Darkness ceremony, which is just a suicide awareness ceremony at the Capitol in Tallahassee. So I did that, and then I was asked to join the Florida Coalition of Suicide Prevention. And I started off as the vice chair for them. And I was involved in that from probably 2012 to 2016, 
In 2014, I was the regional director for this area, which is Baker, Clay, Duval, St. John's, Nassau. And I've been doing that since 2014. And um, So here you are, a wife, a mother, and dealing with a suicide of your husband and grieving and going through all of that. How did you find these groups? Like... So I knew I had to get it out. I knew I right. had to like how, You know, like here I was, I remember in the middle of my depression, I was like Googling therapist in Duval County, you know, like, like that's how I came upon it. But how did you come upon this, you know, for people that are depressed or dealing with the loss of someone by suicide or the loss of, of anyone, you know, Mike did not commit suicide, but he was killed very tragically. And I didn't know what to do or where to go. So what led you? How did you get involved in these groups? Well, I started doing the same thing. Now, this is 2005. So this is before like Facebook right, and all that right. stuff. Yeah. People are just getting computers in their houses. <laughs> so, um, I found a Yahoo group and it was wow. called, yes, a Yahoo group. And it was called Solos. Surviving Our Loved One's Suicide. And you could get in there and get into a chat room and you could talk to all different people all over the world at any time of the day. And then you could go into private chat rooms. And and I met all these wonderful people and I ended up meeting them, a lot of them in real life. Yeah, IRL, Um, I call, I know, I tell people I didn't know what IRL, (laughs) I didn't even know what it was, but it's in real life. But, you know, when you're in this self-development world or in a world where you want to give and you want to learn and you want to grow and you're in social media, so many of our friends are not where we live. And uh, so it's it's fun to, to connect in real life. So, but that right. led you to, you know, speaking at all of these things, right? So a simple Yahoo search, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So read out. Um, yeah. Yeah, so the the Yahoo search was, it basically put me in contact with survivors. And so we could talk about the way we were feeling that other people couldn't understand, you know, mm-hmm. like the anger, you know, a lot of times when somebody dies, and I don't know how you felt with Mike, I'm guessing if it's not a suicide, you probably don't feel the degree of anger that we feel. Like we feel Really, I felt so mad. I was so angry. And, sure, uh, and, and the what if and the how and why I didn't, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like a lot of times you feel guilty for feeling so angry, but I think that a lot of that is a self-protection because without that anger, I would have had immense sadness and I needed to have that anger to kind of help me through the pain that I was experiencing. So being able to connect with other people who understood the anger and stuff like that, the different emotions, that was great. And then I just felt like I needed to do more. So I took a class on how to lead a group of suicide survivors. So I got a certification in that. And then, yeah, I started presenting at different things. Originally, I thought I would just be talking to survivors and offering an ear because so many people had done that for me and it was so helpful. But then it kind of morphed into presenting with homeless people, presenting with nurses, presenting with children, you know, veterans, 
And then just people that will find me through the coalition and they'll just call and talk, you know, people who are suicidal, people who know somebody who is contemplating suicide and then people who have unfortunately survived that. So you're giving back in a huge, huge, huge way. And thank you for that. Thank you for that. It takes takes special people to do that. So what is your advice? I mean, unfortunately, we are in this crazy time in all of our lives with COVID and the unjust, the unrest, the uncertainty of so many things that are happening in, a, in our world, in our country. And it's it's brought up, you know, I um, mean, our suicide rate, you would probably know the numbers way better than I do, but I know the suicide rate has definitely gone up. Drug addiction has gone up. I mean, it's just a real, real problem right now. So, so Lisa, what advice do you have? How can you guide people? How can you help people that are listening that may know that person, you know, that you just are like, oh, I'm not sure. What can I do? I think we kind of touched on this earlier. You know, you don't know what the person next to you is going through. So my first advice is be kind. For example, somebody was calling me from, so I have my personal cell phone on the website for the coalition. So I started getting a phone call and I was at work and I didn't answer it. And I listened to the message and it was this old man. And he's like, well, that's great. You're not even answering the phone. He goes, we've got important stuff. And he was very angry. Oh, wow. In my mind, I'm thinking, I'm also working a full-time job, you know, and I, you know, I took a deep breath. I walked outside and I gave him a call. Well, this poor man's son was suicidal and he was a veteran And he didn't know where he was. So imagine what he was going through. And he calls me from, you know, hoping to talk to somebody about suicide prevention. And he gets my recording. So I'm just so glad that I was kind to him that day. And I didn't, you know, act snarky or snap back at him for something that was not his fault. So I think that's my number one. You know, you just, you really don't Be know. Be kind. Smile. I smile. I smile all day, every day. But just a simple smile to the person that's coming in a, a door behind you can change someone's life. It can. Can change can. someone's life. Ugh. Yeah. You honestly, you don't know what people are going through. I remember... I was at headquarters and I stopped in to see somebody from HR and we just know each other from work and something just told me, you know, compliment her, say something. And I said, you know, your hair looks very nice today. She starts crying. She goes, you don't know how much I needed to hear that. Mm. And then shut her door and just let it all out. How bad of a day she had had things going on in her family and just, you know, that one compliment helped her get through the day. So, you know, anyone can do that. You know, right. I, I, I keep saying, love, love thy neighbor. What happened to love thy neighbor? And it's right. not just your neighbor. Okay. We're, I think they take it literally. Like it has to be your neighbor. Love, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, um, I, you know, not to, we like you don't say this. I don't say these things to toot my horn or to feed my ego or anything, but Back when we could travel in the height of traveling, 
I was in the Atlanta airport and, you know, I tend to make friends everywhere I go. I like go to the same ticket lady and I go, oh, that's my girl. Like I'll stand in line so I can say hi to her. And I was going through TSA and I am for Delta. They have the, um, oh gosh, I don't even know what it's called because I haven't flown in so long. But it's this this express lane through Delta. I cannot, it's literally, <laughs> I don't even know. Clear, Delta That's clear, nice. yay, it's Delta clear. So you go and you put in your fingerprint, but like they have these little agents that come like to the front of the TSA pre-check and they basically hold your hand and walk you up to this little screen and you put in your fingerprint and they then you go to the front of the line. And it saves a lot of time when you're in Atlanta, but... I said, oh, thank you. Have a great day. And she almost cried because I told her to have a great day. I looked at a ticketing agent, pretty much a TSA agent, and I told her to have a great day and she almost cried. I then I gave her a hug and she was like, most people don't even look at us or they treat us horribly. And it's right. just like, I was like, are you kidding me? So now I'm like hugging her. I make, you know, I'm making friends. Fortunately, we can't do that anymore, but we can still connect. Even with the mask on, we can still connect with someone, you know, through eye contact and just say hi. Right. You know, right. I simply said, have a nice day. I'm pretty sure I said, have, a, have an awesome day, but you know, uh, <laughs> that's kind of my, my motto, but it just, it made me think, Wow. And you look around in the Atlanta airport back then when it was just hustle, 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 hustle. And all those people are just robots, you know, Uh take your shoes off, put your thing in, go, 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 go. And it was, it made me like stop and look around and just think, wow, if everybody in here just smiled, you know, what a difference it would make. What a difference it would make. (laughs) You know, that's a really good point that, you know, her saying that most people just ignore. If you think about, there's somebody I work with and she, every time we go out to eat, she asks the waiter or the waitress, what's your name? And asks a couple questions about them. And just that one that one question, what's your name? It humanizes them and it makes them, you know, feel I'm not just serving you. You know, you could connect. We're people and it just means a lot to people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, just recognizing the TSA agent, it's people don't realize how much that means. Yeah, I know. I was blown away and it was like, a whoa, you know, whoa, or I'm no better. I'm no better. I'm no better than anyone. You know, nobody's better than me. You know, we're all humans. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so we, we can get off on that. But <laughs> I know. Yeah. But yeah. So be kind, obviously, is, is is your number one advice to all listening is be kind. But but what do you do when you have that person that you are worried about? You know, Again, humanizing, just listening to them. A lot of times people just want to talk. They just need somebody. Right now, especially, we're in the middle of a pandemic. People are lonely. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest things. You know, there's an acronym called HALT, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And if you have all four of those, you know, bad things can happen. So make sure you're not hungry, angry, lonely, or tired 
But the loneliness, sometimes you don't have a lot of control over that. So if you can just be an ear, if you can listen to somebody who reaches out, a lot of times people feel burdensome. They may not reach out. If you suspect somebody is having a hard time or possibly contemplating making a plan to take their life, absolutely reach out to them. Make sure they're okay. And asking those questions isn't bad. It's important to do. If you really think that something could happen, ask that question. Have you made a plan to take your life? You would be amazed at how many people will tell you yes. And you would think, well, they're just, they'll just lie. At that point, they're not, a lot of them are not going to lie. They're going to tell you yes. And in that situation, if somebody were to tell you, yes, I've made a plan, you know, try to find out what the plan is. Try to find out, you know, if it's a lot of times it's a certain day, a certain time, a certain manner. If it's a serious threat, then you may need to call the suicide hotline, even 911, because if, you know, the biggest thing is you want to protect that person at that moment. Because you can get past the suicide if you can prevent the suicide. So you keep them safe. You know, you remove firearms, you remove pills, you talk to them. A lot of times just you being with them can help. Obviously, you want your safety to be a priority. But gosh, because Lisa, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about it right now. And I, It's very sad to say, but I know quite a few people that have committed suicide. And every single time you're like, wow, I had no idea. Right. And since I have gone into the self-development world and and in the coaching world and in this world and and, um, pulling myself out of fear, anger, and depression is where I lived my life. I now live in grace, gratitude, and love, and I'll I do the work every day to never go back and live any other way, but I do make it a point to reach out to people, you know, like me sitting on the couch, watching the housewives. (laughs) I I don't need to do that every night. Do I do it? Yeah. Sometimes I won't lie, but you know, your phone's in your hand, go through and find three people that you haven't talked to in a while and just say, Hey, how are you? Just checking in. You know, I know COVID brought that out in a lot of people. I would just actually get on Facebook and they have those funny filters and I would video call even my sisters and my friends and you know they answer the video call and it's me with the stupid filter on and it just you know just to get a good laugh out you know so I really do try to do that and I hope that you know anyone who's listening you know just just reach out once a month reach out to three people you haven't talked to in a while right it's that easy it's that easy and it can change someone's life It really can. Yeah. I mean, pay attention. People will give you clues. And if you're picking up on somebody not feeling well, feeling depressed, reach out to them. Or like you said, pick three random people you haven't talked to. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You reestablish a friendship, you know, it's not not a bad thing. But yeah, I think loneliness is a uh, big thing right now. And I think whatever we can do, to alleviate some of that for some people, especially older people, you know, they are secluded. They're not out there. And that's a demographic that does have a fairly high suicide rate. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. And you know, now that you just say that, I I will admit this, I'm admitting this, (laughs) but like beginning of COVID, you know, I was scared. I was nervous. I think everyone was, we were all staying at home. And I remember I was, I reached out to my dad and I was, you know, crying one night and I was like, nobody's been calling and checking on me because, you know, I'm the strong one. You know, I'm the life coach. I'm the happy one. I'm the one that's smiling and cheerful and joyful all day. And I had that moment, that lonely moment that, you know, oh my gosh, I'm in here all alone. And I was like, dad, nope. Like, no, not one of my family members have checked on me. And I'm the only person here single alone with my dog. And he just laughed. It was like, oh, pick. He calls me pick. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You're the strong one. And I'm like, you know, check on those strong ones. You know, I just, I just admitted that, you know, check on the strong one, check on the one that has this check on the people like me, you know? Right. No, absolutely. I think I just posted something like that. Check on your strong friends. Yeah. They need you. It's important. Yeah, it's so true. You know, we have a mutual friend that, (laughs) Janet, and we do a podcast together every month. So the first, my first episode of every month, Janet's on here on our Coach's Corner. So I am connected to so many people through Janet. And so I get to check up on people through her. So that is fantastic. You know, check in on people through people. Check in on people through social media. You can see what people are posting, I feel. I mean, how do you feel about that? I think we talked a little bit about this earlier. People give social media a bad rap. And I guess there's bad things that, you know, come about from it. But like you said, it doesn't have to be. You can use it for so much good. Like I'm in suicide awareness, so I am sharing, you know, positive memes, suicide awareness, prevention. I'm in a few different groups for loss. And I, you know, I try to share and put stuff out there. I get private messages often where Mm -hmm. somebody is depressed, their child is depressed, they need counseling, they don't know where to go, they don't know what to do. The gamut. Sometimes I just get thank you for posting that because Mm -hmm. they needed to see it. I so appreciate what you post. Yeah, I do. I really do. Thank you. You know, I tell myself if this helps one person, then good. Yes. But even if you weren't involved in suicide awareness, there's nothing stopping you from doing the same thing. Just Keep putting it out there every day. Put one more positive or not even suicide prevention, something positive. The world needs you. You know, mm-hmm. we can we can love one another as much as we can hate one another. There's nothing to say we can't. I somebody the other day said, man, I love you. And I was like, gosh, I I don't even know you that well. But it made me feel so good because it was, you know, and I know they were probably just being funny or whatever. But it was so nice. And um So, yeah, there's things we can do, but I think social media can be used for so much good. Oh, yes, 100%. Yes. Stan, I say, stand guard. You know, Jim Rohn said, stand guard at the doorway of your mind. Stand guard at the doorway of your freaking Facebook, of your social media. If you don't like it or you're following someone who makes you feel insecure or you're rolling your eyes going, oh, doesn't she have the perfect family? Or, oh, look at all the sales she's doing. Un- Frig and follow, unfollow. It's so easy to do, and they don't even know if you're following them or not. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. 
I feel like there's such a division right now politically. The climate's real, real bad. And so there's a lot of that divisiveness that we're seeing on Facebook. So just like you said, unfollow those people that don't agree with you or the people that are real aggressive and just keep it, you know, healthy and keep it love. I even heard that you can mute people. So now just mute people um, until the politics are over. You know, I, I, I don't like to see it on either side. You know what I mean? I mean, people get so involved, but um, I've also had to step back and think, no, I, you know, I can let them be who they want to be. If they want to be this big political person, then let them be this big political person. I mean, uh, you know, that's what makes the world go around. What if we were all the same? Right. You know, what if we all woke up and said, oh, I love blue. We all love blue. We all had a blue. Everything was blue, blue, you know? Yeah, that's no way to live. So, yeah, I respect others for their beliefs and their thoughts and their, you know, what they like to eat, you know, or what they like to do or who they're with or whatever. Just, again, be kind and love one another. Let's all hold hands and be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Sprinkle some love on everyone. So, Lisa, what are your final thoughts for for people that are listening? I think if everybody could be mindful, you know, like you said, if you could pick three people and you could reach out to them that you haven't talked to, just, I don't know, try to keep in your mind kindness above the divisiveness and empathy hugely important. Like we have to be able to empathize with people to relate to them. And I think you'll find that you really can help people if you can do some of those things, the empathy, the kindness, putting other people first. I think those are all really, really important for um, making sure others are doing well. And then for yourself, I feel a big one that I have learned just, you know, over the last few years is self-care. People think mm-hmm. it's a selfish thing. It's not. It's super important. It's what's the analogy with the airplane? The oxygen mask comes down. Ah, you right. On, you got to put it on yourself first. first. Yes. Right. And if you want to help others, you've got to take care of yourself. So do that stuff. It's not selfish. Take a walk. Meditate. I know you meditate every day. Meditate. <laughs> Pray, you know, reach out to your friends, take a bubble bath. All of those things are good for your soul. So that's my advice. It's so important. And Janet and I just talked about that on my podcast. So it'll be the episode right before this one comes out. We talk about all of that and, and creating not only a habit, but a lifestyle. And I've created a lifestyle. Life still happens. I still get angry. I still get sad. I still experience all the emotions. But when you train yourself and you do the self-care and you practice the self-care and it becomes a lifestyle, then you can pull yourself out of, out of the bad times pretty quickly. I've got it down now. I can do it pretty quickly, but you know, I guess I want to say, and I know you're going to agree with this is there is a hand out there for anybody that needs one. And I like to be that hand. I know you're that hand. And you know, for people that are listening, to, you know, spread the word to others or just to yourself that there is someone out there that will listen. There is someone out there that will grab your hand and help and listen and smile with you. 
you know, I, I had to grab a hand and I'm so thankful that I did. So I'm so thankful for you and what you do, Lisa. Honestly, it takes special people to be little angels like you. You know, this is not your full time job. You do this because you care and you want to change the world one person at a time, like I, I like to say. And you just want to help. And that's beautiful. It's really beautiful. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, so how can yeah. people reach out? How can they find you? I volunteer with Florida Suicide Prevention Coalition. And that is all one word, Florida Suicide Prevention Coalition.org. And then I have my phone number listed directly on there. So you can, it's for the state of Florida and I'm region four, which is, includes Duval and Clay and St. John's. And you can just go on there. You'll see my name has my phone number. And but that's for those how, that don't live in Florida, I do have listeners all over, all over the world, believe it or not, but you can still reach They can still find you if you're in that state or that place, they can find you on Facebook, direct message you. And I, and I know you can absolutely. direct them. Direct them to the right. Right. There's a number of organizations all over the nation. And Mm -hmm. so we interact with people all over. So if you're in California and you contact me, we'll get you where you need to go. So if you want something in real life, if you want a meeting, if you need to talk to somebody, get a counselor, we can help you find those things where you're located. And if you want, you know, something virtually, then there's groups that I can put you in contact with. So yeah, somebody would just need to reach out to me and then I can direct them where they need to go for what their needs are. Mm. Well, God love you, Lisa. And thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for being on Believe It, Achieve It and sharing the story. You know, it's not always easy to talk about. We did, you know, try to bring some light into this unfortunate situation. And I am sorry for your loss. And I'm so thankful for you and what you do to give back. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. And I will put her information. All of it can be found in the show notes so they can contact you. They can contact me. There is a way. There is a way. There is always somebody that you can grab their hand. And God bless everybody that's listening. And thank you for listening. And please share, share this podcast with anyone and everyone. So thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, make it an awesome, awesome, awesome day. Thank you for listening to another episode of Believe It, Achieve It. I hope you enjoyed the episode and please feel free to share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review. If you have any questions or want to reach out to me, please send me an email at coachnicolewindley at gmail.com and have an awesome day.